0: In between Chile and Argentina, there stands this huge white statue. It is the Christ of the Andes. Are y'all, have you all seen that before? Are you familiar with that? Well, it's interesting to me. They, they put that statue there to signify peace between the two countries of Argentina and Chile. and uh, Which is a good thing. As long as it stands there, there's never supposed to be war. But I find it interesting that the two countries were able to fight still over the statue of Jesus. Now, I am learning more and more... That as people, we have the ability to argue and fight about anything. I mean, even Jesus. Yeah, the reason why they were uh, upset or fighting about this statue is Argentina got upset because the statue of Christ, his face is going towards Chile. And so they began to say, well, that's not fair. You know why is Jesus only only looking over at Chile and he's got his back to us. Now, they had some serious arguments about this statue until finally a reporter came out. He calmed everybody's nerves by saying, "Well, it's because Chile needs to be watched over more than we do." And so that soothed everybody over. Now, again, it's it's interesting to me that we can fight about just about anything. Now, I know some of you say, "Well, that's not true. I don't like to fight. I don't like to have conflict." And I agree with you. I think most of you don't enjoy conflict as long as everything's going well for you. But when things aren't going your way, what I've discovered is that you guys, in particular the second service, but you guys, really, you're going to bow up and you're going to fight if somebody does something that's not going your way. I I see this all the time when I'm driving. I go down I-77 and it's amazing to me as I drive along about how more and more I'm convinced I am the best driver in the world. And I'll be passing somebody, and the car next to me, and I know you've experienced this. When you're trying to pass somebody, have you ever noticed that you'll be going the same speed, and that car will start to creep up? you all notice that? Those people are from the devil. And so they don't, want you to, you know, they don't want you to get by, and they start speeding up, and you would think it'd be like a 16 and 17-year-old kid. And, and I'll look over, and it's usually like a, a 70 or 80-year-old woman who looks like Aunt B. And I'm thinking, what is she doing? And of course, you know, I have to respond. There ain't no way I'm letting that old lady get, you know, beat me. And so we, we have trouble, we have conflict often. And I'm, I'm discovering that sometimes we, we kind of enjoy it. Now we're continuing our study through the book of James, and James addresses the subject of conflict in chapter 4. And so if you have your Bible, you can, you can grab it and look with me over in chapter 4. We're going to look in verse number 1 in just a few minutes. But what we're going to see is James telling us there's a lot of different kinds of conflicts that we face. The people in James' day, the conflicts that they were facing are the same conflicts, the same kinds of conflicts that we face today. And so, you know, and we say this all the time: as much as people change, the more, you know, they stay the same, and it's it's true in our text. And that's one thing that's so great about scripture: as you look into the scripture, the teachings that it gives us, that it shares with us, not only good for the people that were being written to in James's day, but they're great for us as well. And what we're going to see today is James describing to us several different types of conflicts. That we all face in our lives. The question is, how do we handle it? How do we work through it in a godly manner, in a godly way? And so we're going to look in James chapter 4, verse number 1 here in a minute. But the background information again, I know I've told you this for the last several weeks. The, the, Jewish, the people being written to were Jewish Christians. They were scattered all throughout the ancient world. Uh, do y'all remember why they were no longer living in Israel? Just, we're going to see how, how well I've been teaching y'all. And if y'all don't know, I'm going to help you out. Y'all know why? Why were they no longer in Israel? I'm doing a great job of teaching. This is like a, when I talk to my kids, and I think that I've taught them well. And they, they still uh, they, they ignore me. I think they know, they're just not going to tell me. And I'm going to just assume that's with y'all. Y'all are just shy today. The reason why, the reason why that they were living in different places across the world is because of persecution. It's because of the relationship with Jesus. They got run out of town, so to speak. And so they ended up in all these different nations in the ancient world. And whenever they moved to these new nations, they had challenges they had to face there as well. And the the new challenges they had to face is they had to fit in. I mean, they were different people. They were foreigners living in a new land. And so uh, what, what is the best way to try to fit in when you move into a new place? Well, it's to begin to adopt the values of the people around you. It's to to live like they do, to talk like they do, to worship the same God that they do. And so James wrote him this letter and said, don't do that. He said, you've got to make sure that you, of all things, that you hang on to Jesus. Because Jesus is all that you have. He's all that is lasting. And because of that, it is Jesus who can bring you through the conflicts that you will face. That's why you want to hang on to Him. So what kind of conflicts were the people James was writing to? What were they facing? Well, the first kind of conflict that we see they were dealing with and the kind of conflict that we deal with as well is conflict with others. That is, the, that is one of the number one conflicts you're going to face whenever you have conflict. Makes sense. You're going to have conflict with others. Now look with me in verse number one. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your di- desires that battle within you? And they go down to verse 11. It says, Brothers do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. And there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Whenever we have conflicts, one area we can know that we're going to have conflict in is with other people. Have y'all discovered this to be true in your life? Have you have you had conflict with people before? I mean, mean, obviously that's that's sort of a a dumb question. Yeah. Every one of us has. We've all had conflict and issues with people. And I think most of the times we think, you know, if I just didn't have to be around people, my life would be perfect. And you know, if I could just uh, if I could just become a hermit, then then my life would be blessed. You know, that I would live the absolute perfect life that there is. Uh, But what I'm discovering is that just because I think it would be best for me to be by myself, in a few moments we're going to discover that we can also have conflict with ourselves. And and Christians also have conflict. If you look look back in verse number 1, he says, What causes fights and quarrels? among you. That word quarrel, you know what that word means? And I'm I'm sure that you don't, so I'm going to tell you. The word quarrel, it means war. He goes on to talk about fights. And when he talks about fights and he talks about conflicts, that word is in reference to violence. Isn't that crazy? He's talking to Christians here. He's talking to Christians. He says, "Christians, some of you guys, whenever you fight, when you have conflict, it is like you are at war and you are committing violence towards one another." Now, of all people, what people do you think are going to be a people of peace? Of all people, what people do you think are going to get get along? It's going to be the church. It's going to be good old Christian people. But Paul says, "Hey, or excuse me, James says that you are fighting and warring with each other." Now, what in the world is going on here? You read throughout Scripture, you discover that some of, the, some of the best people that duke it out are Christians. Okay, y'all, just to let you know, that's not anything for us to be proud of. Now, that's kind of an embarrassment there. Some of the people who get ticked off and angry more than anybody else is a group of Christians. In James chapter 2, he talks about class warfare. In James chapter 5, he talks about the employer and employees getting in fights with each other. He talks about the disciples, or the New Testament talks about the disciples arguing with each other about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Now you can look at that and say, if Christians aren't getting along, then who in the world is going to get along? It looks like that conflict is just the norm in life. And conflict is the norm in life unless you are a believer who has been touched by Jesus. You see, if we are touched by Jesus, it is to transform and change everything about us. Jesus said in John 13, 35, he said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples by what? What does it say? Is it up there? It's, it, it doesn't say by the fights you have with one another. It says by the love you have for one another. 1 Corinthians 14, says, For God is not a God of disorder, but he is a God of what? He is a God of peace. So what does that mean? It means that a sign that we belong to God. The sign that we are walking with God is that we are going to be a people of, of love. And, and that's convicting to me. And I get more convicted whenever I look at verses 11 and 12. It says there that we're not to slander one another and we're not to be judgmental towards others. The word slander means to direct your speech towards someone that's derogatory and untrue. Oh, Anybody could, don't answer? Any of y'all convicted yet? I can't tell you how many times that there's just things pop out of my mouth. And I've already talked to y'all about I-77 and Aunt B. I mean, there's just things that just come out of my mouth. And the Scripture says that I'm not to speak that way of anyone. You know, one of the greatest detriments to our faith is the way we talk. The way we use our mouths. Mahamas Gandhi has a very famous saying. And he said, he said I like your Christ... He said, I don't like your Christians. He said, your Christians are nothing like your Christ. I remember when I read that, I just said, ouch. Now, what what an absolutely horrible testimony. See, we need to remember... That as believers, we are called the body of Christ. And if we ever get to a place where we are fighting and we are quarreling with each other, you know what that's going to do to the body of Christ? What's going to happen if the body is fighting against itself? It destroys it. You know, it creates a mess within your body. You know, there's a plethora of autoimmune diseases, but the root cause of all autoimmune diseases is inflammation. And what happens is there's some sort of uh, outside, maybe some kind of food that doesn't agree with you, or there's some kind of toxin that gets into your system and it causes problems in your body. And, if, and if these T cells are supposed to fight off this inflammation, but if you keep on exposing yourself to, to things that inflame your body, eventually your body's going to break down. Eventually, your body's going to fight against itself and it will destroy it same thing is true concerning fighting and quarreling with christians guys when we fight and quarrel we are creating inflammation within the spirit of christ and it's damaging and it destroys so so what is the what is the key what is the what is the answer well obviously it's to strive to be healthy to strive to honor God in our living. I think most of us are going to say, hey, I desire to be healthy. But if we're going to be healthy, we have to be careful with what we allow into our lives. You know, If we allow those toxins into our lives, if we allow anger and bitterness into our lives, when we've been messed around and we allow it to take root there, it's, it's going to mess us up. Now, in our nature, what we want to do is when we've been wronged, we want to allow those feelings of anger and bitterness to rule us. And part of the reason why is because it kind of feels good. You know, because we think I'm gonna I'm, they, that person deserves to feel my wrath. But just because something might feel good doesn't mean you need to go with it. You know, for for me, I like, like right now. I'm hungry right now, and I am always. I, I in general, I'm always hungry. And if I, if it was up to me, if I ate what I desired to eat, y'all, I would go back there. I can look back here and I can see that mound of donut holes, and I would love to just clean off that plate right now. I could do it. Now, is that going to be good for my body? Absolutely not. It's going to be destructive to my body. Now, just because something feels good doesn't mean that I need to do it. And that's why the Bible teaches that when we become followers of Jesus, we are to lay aside ourselves, we are to die to ourselves, and allow Christ to have rule in our lives. Why? Because His ways lead to life leads to a better life in romans 8 12 through 14 it says therefore brothers we have an obligation but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it for if you live according to the sinful nature in other words to what you desire bible says you're going to die but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live now how do we end conflict with others Instead of allowing your natural instincts to take charge, you come to the Lord in prayer and you say, God, guard me. God, guard what I say. Guard what goes into my mind. That's why I like. James 119, I love that verse. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I've discovered when I do that, I never regret what I say. And I find myself in less conflict. Now, now, what are some of the areas of conflict that we're going to face in our lives? Well, first of all, you're going to deal with conflict with others. But this is one's kind of interesting. You're also going to deal with conflict with yourself. We have conflict with ourselves. Now, back in verse one, it says, "What causes fights and quarrels among you? What, what causes them?" And he answers the question. He says, "Don't they come from your desires?" That battle within you. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Again, I, I sometimes I think, you know what, if I could just be by myself, everything would be better. I'd never fight with anybody. I'd, I'd, I'd never have any conflict at all. But you know, again, that's not true. And you know why it's not true? So when I, not that long ago, I guess about, about two months ago, I finished reading again through the book of Genesis. I read through the book of Genesis, and it goes to the very first people, Adam and Eve. And they live in a perfect place. You know, they live in the Garden of Eden. I mean, they've got everything they could possibly want or need right there in the garden. God gives them one command. Don't eat of this one particular tree. They have fellowship with God. Everything is just like you and I would want it to be. And yet, somehow, they found a way to screw it all up. Now, I figure if Adam and Eve can find a way to screw up something that is perfect, guys, let me tell you something. We don't stand a chance. You know, we're not as pure as we like to think we are. I think if I was just by myself, I'd, I'd live a perfect life. you say you're not as pure as you think you are. In Ephesians 2, 3, it says we are by nature objects of God's wrath by nature. In Romans 3:10 through 12 it says there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They together become worthless. There was there's no one who does good, not even one. Now I've never accepted the doctrine that man is basically good. I don't believe that for a minute. And you know where I really where that really was ingrained in me that man is not basically good? When we had kids. When we had kids. When we had kids. Now, your, I know your kids are great. They're not as good as you think they are. But I know your kids are great. Let me tell you something. You and I did not have to teach our children how to be selfish, did we? It just came naturally. Yeah, You that. I've watched our kids, and sometimes be, they'll have some toys sitting out. They're not even touching those toys. And if somebody gets near them, what do those kids do? Then they jump up, and they are ready to fight. That is mine. And they'll say, mind, mind, mind until they either get their way or until somebody goes over there and disciplines them. Now, James two, or James, in verse number 2, James is pointing out to us our natural selfishness. Look what he says there. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. Okay, we want something, we don't get it. So then how do we respond? Look at what we do. He says, we kill and covet. We don't get something we want, we're going to kill. We're going to covet it. He says, you quarrel and fight to get your hands on what you want, sometimes we even try to cover it up with spirituality, and we start praying to God, saying, "God, I, I need this, Lord, give this to me." And might say, well, I thought that's what I was supposed to do, and I prayed, and I was supposed to ask God for things. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with praying to God and, and presenting your request to God. Scripture talks about that, but God's not our genie. And if God doesn't give it to us, then we're to show our subservience to God by accepting the answer that He gives to us. And Now, that's, that's tough. But here's the key. God wants the best for us. And we're to trust Him. He's not going to lead us down a path that's going to lead us to an unfulfilled and frustrated life. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? It tells us that God knows the plan that He has for our lives. And it's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us and to give us hope and a future. Yet far too many of us are unwilling to submit ourselves to the leadership of God. You know why? We don't trust Him. We trust in ourselves and our ways more than His. And what happens is we get ruled by our selfish desires. And I'm learning that when people are ruled by their selfish desires, they're never happy. Instead of being grateful for what they do have, they complain about what they don't have. And they get frustrated at others. Uh, there's a story I, I read a long time ago. It's kind of funny. Guy went to a restaurant with a friend, and they, got, they ordered fish. And one of the guys, his plate came out, and it was, his fish was a little bit bigger, and the other plate came, and the fish was a little bit smaller. And so he grabbed the, bigger, the plate with the bigger fish, and he handed his friend the one smaller fish. And his friend was kind of irritated. And he looked at him and said, well, that worked out well for you. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you got got the bigger piece of fish. And he said, well, what would you have done? He said, well, I would have given you the bigger piece of fish. He said, well, thank you. I've got it. Now, you know, whenever, whenever we're selfish and whenever we're frustrated, guys, we're, we're never happy with anything. Selfish people are always looking for that magic something that will change their lives when the real problem is their heart. Has that living for self Living for me doesn't lead to life. It leads to to dissatisfaction and disappointment. Now, what kind of conflicts do we deal with? We we deal with conflicts with others. We deal with conflict with ourselves. And this is the last one that I want you to see. And then we're gonna we're gonna try to tie it up about how do we handle this stuff. The last one I think I want you to see is that we also have conflict with God. And this is probably the most important one. We we have conflict with God. If you look down in verse number four, he said. Man, James is very forward here. He says, you adulterous people. He said, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you devil-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now James points out that a lot of us are in conflict with God. Now why are we in conflict with God? And he says what happens is we become a friend of the world. You know, the world... And God have two very different value systems. And we are friends with the world. We are accepting the value system of this world, ignoring God's value system. And just, just some of the values that the world has that are different to God's, different than God's is one, one of the values is you know, there might be times in your life when you have to betray other people in order to get ahead. Another value system that the world has that God does not have is to say, hey, listen, if you hold to the view that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, then you are small-minded. That is a worldview. Guys, that is in conflict with God. Another view that we have that, that goes against God's leadership is that if it feels good, do it. You know, whatever brings pleasure to you. All those things on the surface, they can look attractive because they are self-serving. Because they are directed towards you. But here's the problem. When we become followers of Jesus, the Bible says that we are married to God. He's our spouse. Uh, let, me, let me read a scripture to you that explains this Romans 7 four says, "So my brothers, you also died to, to the law, through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. It says that you might belong to another. That, that phrase to belong to another it is a marriage term. It means you are married to God. So if we are married to Christ and yet we are friends with the world, you know what 's going on? We are cheating on our spouse. Commit adultery, spiritual adultery. Now, how well does that work out in marriage? Guys, whenever there is adultery in marriage, there is mistrust, there are broken hearts, there are broken families, there's devastation that takes place. Same thing is true spiritually. That's why whoever becomes a friend of the world is committing adultery against God. But here's the good news. God desires for the marriage to work. God desires for the marriage to work. He desires to be restored to us. Now, we also have to have that desire as well. Now, God's made a choice that he chooses us. In Romans 5.8, it says, God demonstrated his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were che- cheaters, it says Christ died for us. Now, we have a responsibility as well, and that is that we are to choose God. L- look at verse number 7. It says we are to submit ourselves to God. That word submit, in verse number 7, it means to get into your proper rank. In other words, remember your place. The idea, it's a military term. The idea is like a private going up to a general and giving him orders. Now, that's not going to work very well. When we submit ourselves to Christ, we are understanding our place. God is the general. We are the private. We're going to listen to him. Now, if we don't, if we don't pay attention to our rank, then that becomes a foothold that Satan can use to get into our lives in order to destroy our relationship with God. That's why James said, he said, resist the devil. What happens if we resist the devil? We put aside his temptations. It says that he will flee from us. Now, I know a lot of people who make excuses saying, I don't understand why I'm living this way, but it's the devil's making me do it. You know, his pull on my life's too hard. I just can't get away from him. Let me tell you something. If you're a follower of God, that is a bunch of baloney. Because you have the power of Jesus living within you who has the ability to give you victory over the sin of this world. It is a choice that you and I make that we're going to live for God or not. We choose. We make a choice. Now if we choose to live for God, what happens? Let me share with you Philippians 4, 6-9. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Every one of us deals with conflict. We have conflict with others. We can have conflict with ourselves. We have conflict with God. All kinds of conflict. The big question is, how do we handle it? James gives a very simple answer. And this is how we're going to conclude today. James gives a very simple answer. He says, you draw near to God. He says, and God will draw near to you. He says, you resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Now here's the question again. Are you putting yourself in an environment where you are drawing near to God and staying away from those things that tempt you? Some of us find ourselves constantly embroiled in battle because we refuse to draw near to God. That's why I really believe. That's one of the reasons why the church is such a blessing. Guys, we're on the same team here. We want we come here in order to worship God. That's why our small group ministries are so important. We have a support group so that people can hold us accountable and can love us to try to keep us from selfish living. Draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. Resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Now what I'd like for us to do is to bow our heads and close our eyes. and This is our closing. There might be some of you here today and as believers, you just very simply might need to pray to God and say, Lord, if I am if I'm really honest with you, I have to admit that I have placed myself in situations where I am not I am not I am not drawing near to you. But God, I am I am drawing myself near to Satan and it has got my life in a mess. Lord, forgive me. And in your mind, if if that's something that you're dealing with, I want you to begin to think of maybe some places that you need to stay away from that are pulling you away from the leadership of God. Maybe some people, some relationships that you need to move away from because they do nothing to move you towards living like Jesus. And then I want to challenge you to move away from those things And say, God, today I'm going to draw near to you. And trust that when you do that, that he'll draw near to you as well. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this, for this, this time that you've given us. God, I, th- I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are honest with us. That you let us know. Hey, it is, in life, there's conflict. But God, you give us the key on how to work through conflict. How to have victory over it. And I pray, Jesus... That we will be, that we'll not be so bullheaded that whenever things occur that irritate us, that we're not going to try to demand victory over people and try to squash people, but God, that we will just simply draw near to you and trust you, God. That you're going to make all things right. God, if anybody knows about conflict and knows about rejection and knows about being you know, being used as a tool by others, it is you. As you went to the cross for us in complete innocence, and you did it freely and willingly, because, God, you knew it would change our lives. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.